Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Life Learners Podcast. Hope you all are having a having a great week so far. I recently was approached by a collector who was looking to um, sell one of their watches. That um, it was a beautiful watch, but it was going to require um, some servicing to get it back in working order. And it really, this sort of idea sprung to mind for me about. You know, if if you as a collector should consider buying watches that would need repair for your collection, uh, I think there's a lot of watches out there that are in condition that maybe you wouldn't consider on uh, every single day, and um, unfortunately, with uh, with with so much interest in collecting watches, um, more and more, or I guess the the um, proportion of those watches in the sort of general pool of watches available for you to buy is sort of increasing because all the really great condition pieces are sort of being kept by collectors. So I thought I would kind of just, you know, talk through things to consider if you are considering buying watches that need repair for your collection um, and sort of how I would approach this, um, this subject. So I think I should start off just by saying, you know, I think this discussion probably has more to do with sort of collecting vintage watches or sort of neo-vintage watches, but there are instances where perhaps modern watches would need some sort of repair or replacement um, in a similar way. Um, a good example maybe from a modern perspective is um, maybe a, uh, you know, you're buying a watch, let's just um, keep it simple, let's say it's an Omega Speedmaster. But the watch itself comes on a leather strap or a NATO strap, and you don't actually have the original um, stainless steel bracelet that comes with it. And so what you're going to have to do if you're interested in, in, in doing this is, try, is you'll have to try and source a period-correct stainless steel bracelet. Um, a period-correct stainless steel bracelet um, that was manufactured by um, Omega that goes with this piece. And, you know, that can take a little bit of time. It can take... A lot of research to figure out, you know, identifying what period correct is. You'll probably have to work with some sort of dealer or some sort of collector who knows how to find these bracelets. And then you can, you know, pair it up with your watch and you'll have it in sort of original condition. But then if you think from a neo-vintage perspective, there's a lot of ways that this could shake out. Things like dial replacements may be necessary. Um, you also might have... Um, parts like hands that might need to be replaced. But again, what you're gonna to have to do is obviously identify that that piece is, uh, is in that condition. You'll have to source, um, you'll have to source a period correct uh, version of whatever part you're looking for, or I should say, uh, if, if you are um, sort of inclined in that way as a, as a collector, which I think you should be, I think sourcing period correct parts is really important, um, you know, using parts from other periods kind of detaches from what the original intent of that watch was supposed to be. And so I think you should always sort of source period correct parts for, for a watch. Anyway, um, you'll have to source those types of parts um, from, from that specific period, which can be hard, especially considering, you know, Neo Vintage is a little bit of a, of a, um, it's becoming a little bit harder to source parts from that time, similar to how hard it is to source vintage piece, uh, vintage watch parts. Um, but you have to go through that process and, and all that. Now, something that I haven't really spoken about is if a watch really isn't actually running, if the movement itself is, is not working. And I think this applies both to modern and to neo-vintage, where you're going to have to find a 
uh, well, you have two options, right? If the, if, <laughs> if the watch isn't running, you're gonna have to get the, watch, the movement serviced. Now, I think there are some brands who really consider servicing watches as a really important part about watch uh, about sort of in the lifespan of a, of a watch collector and they will take into consideration the fact that they want to find parts from that from the specific time period they're not going to want to make the the watch look like something that it wasn't when it was originally manufactured and that's great i think brands who do that is that's wonderful but there are brands that maybe don't consider that and they want their watches to look like new um, like the new models. So if you bought a watch, let's just say in 2005, they might update it to, to look like what they would imagine the watch would look like in 2023, which again, I think this is a preference by each collector, but I'll just kind of say my opinion. I like to keep things as original as possible or what they originally should have looked like, um, when they were, when they were manufactured. So you have two options, right? You can go to the, the manufacturer, say, hey, I need this service and allow them to sort of take care of it. This can be costly, but in my opinion, is the best way to go about it. Um, but then you could also go to um, a watchmaker who could do the repairs for you. And that would be another option for you to sort of approach this, um, this specific problem. It's time, it's money, the, sourcing the parts is going to be difficult, but there's the, that's sort of, you know, it happens. And you might have to just... Um, you know, bite the bullet on that one. Now, I think where this conversation really gets interesting is when we talk about um, vintage watches. So all the things that I've said before this sort of about vint uh, modern and neo-vintage pieces, I think apply to vintage watches. But I think it's more common for you to find vintage watches that are not in the condition that you want um, and will require a little bit of time and money investment to get it to work, to, 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 uh, to get the watch running, perhaps, or to get it to look like, um, look the way that you want it to. Um, I've mentioned a couple of these, but it could be as simple as sort of incorrect parts being on the, on the piece, things like incorrect uh, bezel inserts, uh, wrong bracelets, uh, incorrect hands, maybe the dial is incorrect as well. Um, and those are going to take time because you have to source those parts. And they're not, it's not like you can kind of go to the uh the the home depot or the or the um amazon of um the amazon of uh of watch parts and just be able to pick out what you want from a specific time period for a specific watch a lot of the pieces that you're probably looking at these parts are not easy to get and so you're going to have to spend a lot of times going to many different places online talking to many dealers and and watchmakers and maybe even going back to the manufacturer to try and source these specific parts and so, you know, if you're going to buy a vintage watch w that has this sort of condition on it, um, you have to understand that it's going to take time for you to get it to where you want it to be, to be, let's say, um, enough for your, um, for your, you know, good enough for your collection, which can be a little bit frustrating. But this is something that you can consider, you know, if you're if someone does approach you, you can you can talk to them about, you know, l listen, the price of this that this would sell for is not what you're going to be able to sell this for. There's a lot of work that has to go into this. And so I'm willing to offer X, you know, and I think it does, does make it feel like a little bit more of a, a bargaining chip, if anything. Now, something sort of, we've spoken about sort of parts, but I think there's another side of this, which is if the watch is running, I've mentioned this, uh, you know, just a couple minutes ago, but for vintage watches, this is a big condition. A lot of the pieces that you're buying, let's say they're pre 1980 or 1990. Um, and I think 
a lot of the times we, we as collectors sort of um, are attracted to sort of the golden era of watchmaking, which is anywhere from 1940 to 1960. Again, depending on your taste. Um, but I'll say that's the time period that I really love, 1940 and 1960. And so those watch, these watches are approaching... Um, a hundred years old. Okay, we're not there yet, but let's say let's just take nineteen forty as an example. We're looking at um, eighty three year old watches, and so um, the condition of the movements of these pieces varies heavily. And as I mentioned, the the watches that you're probably seeing on the market are not the tip top of condition they're not the best pieces that you're ever going to find you're probably looking at watches that are you know uh, maybe a little um a little uh lesser in condition or or you know what have you um with that also comes the idea that you know maybe the servicing history of these watches are unknown maybe this watch has not been serviced since it was manufactured in 1940 and that can really have an impact on the amount of work that's gonna it's gonna take to 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 get this watch back in in good condition. So again, I think this is another bargaining chip that you have. You know, if a collector says, "Hey, this isn't running, but I'm I want to sell it," I think this is, again is an opportunity for you to say, you know, it's gonna take a lot for me to to service this. I think it's always good to ground yourself in. You know, I'm gonna take it to the manufacturer because I want this to be done right, and that's gonna be a little bit more expensive. And that's another nice way of sort of um, being able to, uh, to you know, find an adequate price for you um, to, to, to buy the watch at. But I, I think one thing to remember, though, is, you know, as a, I think there are collectors who just want to wear their watches, right? They want to buy something, put it on their wrist, and really enjoy wearing a wrist because that's the point of the watch, right? And I think you have to be a certain type of collector and you need to know this about yourself if you are willing to put in the effort to buy a watch, to spend time researching how I want, you know, what's wrong with this piece, how am I going to get it back to the condition that it should be in, um, and and that takes time. And you, you, I think uh, something that I've spoken about on many videos for Life on the Wrist and written in many articles is that watch collecting, you should take your time on this on this hobby, both from a, from a figuring out what you like, but also figuring out what kind of collector you are. Because you need to know if you're a collector who cares about just wearing the watch, you don't want to have to deal with anything else, you just want to wear the watch. Or if you're a collector who says, you know what, I love wearing the watches, but I also have, I don't know, some sort of um, feeling towards buying things and getting them in their original condition, or you actually like the hunt of trying to find specific parts or or um, or sourcing, um, you know, period correct dials or something like that. I think there's, um, I think once you get to that level, I think you're looking a little bit more at the scholarship of the pieces that you're, that you're, um, you're purchasing or, or adding to your collection. And you're thinking more about what this watch means in the grand scheme of a brand's history or a complications history, or really maybe the, you know, the, the larger picture behind the, the pieces, maybe what you're a little bit more focused on. And I think that's, I think that is not for everyone, um, but there are collectors who, who focus on that. Um, I was recently, as I mentioned, I was recently approached for, for a piece. It was a um, Vacheron Constantin triple calendar, a triple um, uh, full calendar watch without moon, moon phase. 
Um, these watches are really desired. Um, there's the JLC versions of them. I just saw a Cartier signed version of this piece that was um, manufactured by JLC that's selling at Anticorum. I posted on my Instagram if you if you follow us there. Um, and uh, absolutely phenomenal piece. One of my favorite um, pieces that was manufactured back in the 1950s, I believe. Um, and the piece hadn't been worn since it was, I think it just sat in a safe from about 2002 onwards. Um, and for me, I, I don't mind spending the time to um, research the piece, uh, figure out what's wrong with it and work with a watchmaker to, to get it back to original condition. As long as the watch itself is in, in, in decent condition, you know, you want to make sure that the, you know, at least the case is looking good, the dial isn't completely damaged. But then trying to work with um, with a watchmaker to bring it back to life is, I think, a, a really special thing. Especially because you think, you know, these watches are a very significant part of Vacheron Constantin's history. Um, they've produced modern pieces that are, um, that have been inspired by the pieces that, that I'm speaking about right now. And, um, yeah, I think it's it's a great goal to, to have. And to me, I think, you know, if you're building a collection, I think for me, it's like this watch is a significant piece. It's, it's it has a significant history for Vacheron Constantin. Absolutely beautiful. And um, it'd be nice to bring it back to back to life. But the big question, I think, when it comes to, you know, what you what you end up with is, you know, do I work with a watchmaker, a local watchmaker, or do I send it back to, to the manufacturer, in this case, Vacheron Constant? And I think this is a tough question because there's the monetary side of it. So, you know, a local watchmaker will be, I think, less expensive than the, um, than you meant than the manufacturer, obviously, but you are sending it somewhere that isn't, uh, the original maker of the watch. And so maybe, you know, it, it maybe they're not using Vacheron Constant, um, uh, um, watch movements and uh, you know if they're replacing pieces you know what are they going to do with those I think those are all things that you have to sort of hash out with that local watchmaker which can be kind of tiring and I'm sure that they don't appreciate you telling them what or how to do things so you get the the you get a cost savings with them but maybe not maybe it won't be done to the degree that Vachon Constant would consider um, as sort of their standard for for repairs on the other hand, if you send it to Fashion Constant, you're getting really great standards. You're getting the manufacturer who's going to work on it. Um, you're also going to um, have to pay a little bit more because you're sending it back to the manufacturer. So it's really a cost quality or a, I, I don't like saying that because there's a lot of local watchmakers who, who do a phenomenal job. But but at the end of the day, it's kind of like that cost quality um, comparison here. Um, I think the, the ultimate thing that you have to think about though, and I'll, I'll sort of wrap up with this, is the amount of time that this is gonna take. So as I mentioned, if you're the type of person who just wants to wear the watch, this is not for you because it it will take, I've, I have worked with manufacturers bringing things back to the original condition and it's taken years. Um, and then I've worked with local watchmakers and it's taken a couple months. It really varies by the watch, the rarity, the pieces that we have to source, what's wrong with the piece, and all of that needs to be considered. And so if you want to just buy a watch and wear it, it's not for you. But if you want to spend the time working with the watchmaker, working with the manufacturer to try and get it to its period, um, period correct condition, 
it can be a really fun journey. And I think you actually end up investing more, more time, more energy, more thought, more of your life into, into this piece. And I actually think it makes it a little bit more special to put that on your wrist once you sort of brought it back to life. Um, and you can tell the full story and have all the details about what was wrong with the watch, what you did with it and, and how you sort of, um, went about, um, went about the process of, of getting, buying this piece that was in poor conditioning and bringing it back to, you know, its original condition of whatever period you're, you're thinking of. So really, I, I consider the amount of time that you're going to spend investing in, um, in, in, in repairs, in, in thinking about this piece, because it can become sort of the only thing you think about uh, for, for a long period of time, which in some ways is a nice way to sort of develop your journey as a watch collector and develop your collection as a watch collector with a piece that, that um, you invested so much in into. Um, I think that with everything, you, you have to always consider the, the fact that uh, um, not all these pieces are, are ones that you should buy. Just because I'm telling you that there's an opportunity here doesn't mean you should go out and buy things that are in bad condition uh, or, or not running. Um, sometimes watches really can't, cannot be cannot be fixed. Um, maybe the movements are just not as great. You can't source the parts or it will take you many, many, many years to do so. And if that's the case, then um, yeah, you just have to kind of come to grips with that. So be careful with what you're buying, but know that this is a nice opportunity to develop your own collecting journey. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to check out the other podcasts that we've uploaded. Um, we will be releasing a video on Wednesday, which should be fun. We're going to talk about the Watches and Wonders predictions that have come out over the last couple of weeks. There are some interesting ones, so be sure to head over to our YouTube channel if you want to check that out. There'll be links in the description to all of our social media accounts, so be sure to check that out as well. Head over to Life on the Wrist to read some of our articles. We'll obviously have an article for this podcast, but we'll also have an article for um, our video that we're going to release, so be sure to check that out if you're interested. Um, if you are new to, to the Life on the Wrist podcast, be sure to follow us and share this with a friend who might be interested in watches. If you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, it really does help me out. With a say, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and until next time.